Hello and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. Thank you for listening. Well, we hope you're listening on purpose, but if you're listening on accident, just got in the car and you're hearing our syrupy, warm voices of the radio, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, my name's Chad Russell. That is Kurt Souter. We are co-hosts of this little ditty called Solid Steps Radio. The idea of it is we are a show for men by men. We talk about things from a guy's perspective. We know lots of ladies listen, and that is great. But our primary audience is men, and we want men... We want to be a tool in your toolbox of life. Uh, you're walking through life, and we want to walk alongside of you. We want to give you tools, whether it's books, whether it's stories, whatever it is. We just want to help you men fulfill your destiny of walking with God and becoming a man fully through Jesus Christ and, and just fulfilling your destiny. And we just want to be, uh, you know, a moderately entertaining but hopefully impactful <laughs> group of people to, to help you do that. So uh, we talk about all kinds of different topics today. We are talking about something that sounds like a real churchy word. Uh, but it's not. It's part of God's plan. And I was listening to a gentleman named Roger Fleming. He is one of the navigators. He was a big in the navigators. And when I started walking with God at 28 years old, uh, Cecil McGee discipled me and used navigator material. So when I hear the word navigator, I'm kind of near and dear to my heart. And Roger Fleming was talking to a group of navigators, and this is what he said to the group of navigators, to give them perspective on the word discipling. And the difference between addition and multiplication. And he says, if you take one person and that one person brought one person to Christ every day, they were a little personal Billy Graham who just passed away, by the way, and he's having a party in heaven. We recently taping this. But if you brought one person to Christ every day in 32 years, you would have 11,680 people who you have brought to Christ if you bring someone to Christ every day. That's a lot of people, but it's also a lot of work. But he also said, if you took one person and they brought a person to Christ a year, so one person in one year brought one person to Christ, and then the next year, each one of you did the same thing. So two people in a year bring two more people, and that's four. And then those four people brought in one person that year to Christ. At the end of the same 32-year time frame, how many people would you have, Kurt? I'll I answer think, that for you. I, I think it's eight billion. <laughs> it's four billion with a B, two hundred ninety-four million nine hundred sixty-seven thousand two hundred ninety-six people. That doesn't seem like it makes any sense, and it doesn't. That's why Jesus says, "Don't go add, go multiply, go disciple." And that's what we're going to talk about today about how to do that effectively. So uh, yeah, we're we're bringing in the experts. Yeah. <laughs> Bringing in uh, Dr. Eric Schonsberg and uh, Tom Harper, both of you, uh, we're just going to pick you guys' brains. And how? Do, what in the world did Jesus mean when he said, go and make disciples of all the nations? Um, so welcome to the show, both of you guys. Thanks. Glad to be here. It's, uh, it's great to have you. And so we're, we're, we're just going to uh, kind of unpack this. What, what, what did Jesus, you know, um, some theologians would say that there's, there's five pieces of uh, or five times in the in the in the New Testament where Jesus gives the great commission it's stated in a little bit different ways but probably the most popular one is Matthew chapter 28 when uh, it says in verse 18 then Jesus came to them and he said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And lo, or surely I am with you always to the very end 
of the age. What in the world is Jesus talking about? Go and make disciples. I think just looking at that passage, you see, you see three things right off the bat, right? Baptism is a form of identification. It's signing up for the team. And then the going, uh, uh, the teaching them everything I have uh, commanded you implies there's something to be taught and, and therefore to be learned. And then the last part of that phrase is, surely I'll be with you. The discipler is with the disciple and helping them. So it's a personal process. It's a process that has goals. You identify with the goal and the teacher or the mentor, whatever term we're going to use there. And there's certainly a, a large teaching component that you're trying to get somewhere in your discipleship, whether we're talking about discipling as a, you know, as an engineer at work, or you're talking about discipling your kids or discipling people in the church, there's some kind of goal and a process to move from A to Z. And, and really, that's what Jesus was doing with his disciples. I mean, he was moving them. I, I, I'm amazed at, in John chapter 1, when he says to uh, the early disciples, they said, Rabbi, where do you live? And he said, come and see. And that was just the very beginning of, of them beginning to follow him. You got thoughts, Tom? Well, when you mention in the verse uh, the part about uh, obey everything I've commanded. Uh, I think Jesus is speaking at, at least on two levels. Number one is look at my life, look at what I have taught, look at what I have uh, done as an example for you. So that's that's the obvious level. You know, look at what I've shown you. Look at what we've we've discussed. Uh, the other level, I think, is a is a grander picture of of looking at everything he's commanded. And if he is the word, as he says he is, then the entire Bible is full of what he's referring to here. Uh, everything he's commanded is not just in the, in the Gospels, you know, in, in the, the depiction of his actual life in the Bible, but it's throughout the Bible. So that helps me as I read other parts of the Bible. I can see what other leaders do, what the lessons are that they've uh, lived out, uh, have taught me, and I, I can apply those and relate those to Jesus. Mm, that's good stuff. So, so um, before we kind of unpack, how do we, you know, disciple others? Because there's other. Uh, some of our listeners are going, "Well, I, I, I've never had anybody disciple me. I, I, you know, I'm 35 years old, and I, I grew up in a non-Christian home, or in, you know, I, you know, Tom, you came to faith later in life." Mm-hmm. Um, but Eric, you talk about um, our own personal discipleship. What, what do you what do you mean by that? Well, each person has a, a responsibility here. Um, once they catch some sort of vision that this is important, then they need to figure out how to accomplish it. It's like any other worthy goal, and any goal that's uh, valuable and uh, challenging is going to require a couple of things. It's going to require us working. Uh, with with some level of relationship and intimacy with other people who have uh, have gone before us and can and can be very helpful, um, and uh, it also requires that we make investments in that discipleship. So I think a lot of times we use the word disciple and and it gets reduced to well just come to church and serve here and there. But you know if that's discipleship, it's at a very modest pace. And so two things are required here. One is that you know, that you move from, say, a large group environment like corporate worship to a smaller group environment where you're being led by people and you're surrounded by people where iron can sharpen iron, where you can be mentored by somebody. And so I think the first thing to say would, would be that if you've not taken that step of getting involved in a 
a small group, an effective small group, then that's that's certainly required uh, here. And then the second thing would be... Yeah, but let me, let me just uh, kind of jump in here. But I've tried that, Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in some some small groups, and they're they're just... They're not very interesting. They're not very... Uh, I, I just don't get much out of those. They're kind of boring and irrelevant, frankly. So are they boring because they're <laughs> the people are boring or because, uh, you know, it's just a social gathering and so it doesn't seem to have a purpose? Is it poorly led? You know, there's lots of reasons why a small group might be ineffective for the goal the goals that we're talking about. So it does assume an effective small group. It assumes a leader that knows where he's taking a group, is reasonably effective, is not just lecturing at people all the time, uh, is covering relevant material. So there's that iron sharpening iron. And if it's, you know, if you're surrounded by people that have plastic swords, that's not going to be very helpful. If you're surrounded by people that just want to drink coffee and talk about, you know, basketball or something, that's not really discipleship of the sort we're talking about. So yeah, it's not just a small group. It has to be one that has purpose and is reasonably well run. Mm. So you can have a small group, but don't necessarily have discipleship. Absolutely. Mm. And and so they're, they're, the two does not they're not equate they they don't equate with one another. So so what you're really talking about is a a small group that really stimulates, encourages. There's some there's a teaching and maybe training piece, but there's also a, a place where you can voice and maybe find your own voice you can you begin to articulate what god is teaching you is that what you're saying yeah if your small group is you know press play on a dvd player and then there's some kind of you know a set of odd heretical comments about uh whatever they're talking about and then and then we break up pretty quickly and you know hit the brownies and talk basketball uh, that's not really effective uh, discipleship. So there, there's still a place even for something like that, just like there's a place for small talk as we get to know people. But eventually you got to push beyond that if you want the pace of discipleship to be anything reasonable. I've been in two small groups that really stand out. The first was when I first became a believer, and it was led by a guy named Rick McIntyre. He helped me come to faith, and he started a Bible study. He actually started the Bible study before I was a believer, and he invited my wife and me to come. And because I was still trying to get points with my wife early in our marriage, I said, okay, I'll come and uh, let, let's do this. Um, great, great motive. Yeah, it sure is. And so over time, uh, I was exposed to the word, but I was, I was exposed to, to Rick's leadership and the truths coming from the Bible that were coming out of him, a guy that I respected. And so this first part of my discipleship was becoming a little deeper uh, into the Word, becoming a, a little bit of a stronger believer, but it, it was just the very beginning of my, my salvation journey. The other small group that I've been a part of is actually part of this ministry called Manhood Journey, uh, and we had father and sons in the so same group. we're going to pick up uh, how that fleshed out and how that really helped change you as a dad and as a leader and as a follower of Jesus, but we need to take a break quick. We're going to take a break, come back and talk more about what discipleship means and what it looks like and how, if you're listening to my voice, how you are called to be a discipler uh, and maybe also to be discipled and how you can be both of those if you are walking with God. So we're going to take a break and be back on Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our second segment of Solid Steps Radio. We are talking discipleship today with Eric Schadsberg and Tom Harper. 
And uh, if you want to be discipled in your finances, you need to go to LNN Credit Union. They are a great local lender who not just wants to talk about money, but wants to talk about people. And uh, that's a great place to take your money to and invest in regards to your finances. Also, we want to thank Vision First. Uh, they disciple you in your eye care. They want to make sure your eyes are well, but also you yes. as a person are well uh, in regards to your vision. And uh, Bright, uh, Bright Star Home Care, uh, they are an organization that helps people transition from independent living to maybe being a little bit more dependent when they get to a certain age and season of life. Dan Hart Financial, if you want to talk about your retirement and what do you do with uh, how to have a biblical retirement and how to point it in that direction to be wise with your money, Dan Hart Financial does that. Frank Enterprises, uh, if you have a septic system or some kind of land drainage problem on your irrigation outside or as far as water and you are got water going places it's not supposed to, Frank Enterprises helps do that. And then Country Lake Christian Retreat Center uh, for all of your organizational business meet needs in regards to if you need to have a group outing uh, or a group overnight or you need to go to take your kids out for the summer and they have all kinds of programs coming up at Country Lake Christian Retreat Center. So guys, uh, Tom, you mentioned uh, two Bible studies that really helped bring some significant growth in you as a disciple of Jesus. Uh, one was an introduction that actually that was a, the key to you really understanding you needed a Savior mm-hmm. and you needed Christ to, to come into your life. Right. Um, but there was a second study that was really impacting of you. Yeah, the second one was a father-son study. We used the curriculum that was developed by a minister called Manhood Journey. And the basic makeup of the group is fathers and sons sitting around a circle, going through questions, going through scriptures, and talking about lessons learned that the dads learned the hard way, letting the sons answer questions, what are their, their favorite animals, and we do activities, and, but it's all focused on scripture. And it's even more pinpoint focused on helping those boys become men. So they're around men, they're being discipled by their dads sitting next to them and the other dads in the group. And so the leader takes all of us through uh, learning about manhood through biblical lenses. Mm. Back to Eric, what you said, uh, you know, when we think about this whole piece of discipling ourselves, discipling others, I I think before we can really disciple others, we have to be in an ongoing, um, our own personal discipleship, what you were referring to. Talk about that a little bit more and, and what we need. We, we, we talked about being in a group, but it's more than that. Yeah, so there has to be this relational piece. If you're a disciple, there needs to be a discipler. And so that implies someone who is competent and loves you and wants the best for you and is uh, competent to speak into your life in, in these ways. So it, it requires you to get out of you know merely looking at church as a Sunday worship opportunity uh, a few times a month, and, and you've got to move into this small group environment where it's effectively run, and you can, if it's not the leader, that you have someone in that in that group that you're forming, you know, a, a uh, important relationship with. But the second piece is that, you know, and, and you kind of hear this in Tom's, right? You, you show up for something, and then eventually you move into a more active participation in, in those kind of groups. And so at some point, you've got to move from passive to active, and that's a huge barrier uh, for people, and it's a problem for churches. Churches are real good at offering small group opportunities, but they struggle to get people moving from passive to active. And the fact of the matter is, if you don't invest in your own discipleship, and this is true for anything in life, whether you're playing golf 
or you're, or you're learning about business or whatever it is, you've got to make investments. One of the things we talk about in the book, we've got a couple books on this, one is roll up your sleeves. But one of the analogies we draw is that I'm an economics professor. And if I were to say to you, look, my, just like the Great Commission, I want to teach you everything there is to know about economics, and here's my plan. Uh, I want you to show up once a week and hear me lecture on economics for a half hour. Uh, we're going to do that for 10 years. And how much of all economics will you know after 10 years? And the answer is very little. Uh, even if I'm the best lecturer in the world, there's, it's just a limited format. You just can't learn that much. So then I said, well, that's okay, that's ridiculous. Let's try this. Let's do th- that. And then we're going to add Tom. And Tom's going to lead a smaller group, maybe 40 people. And he's going to do another wonderful lecture, maybe a bit of discussion. Uh, and it's got that small, a little bit of a smaller group piece. So again, how much economics will you learn? That's better, but it's still not impressive, right? How do you learn economics? How do you learn how to do anything of significance and complexity and value? You've got to make investments. And so you've got to hit the books and you've got to do reports and you've got to write a paper and you've got to have someone telling you that that answer is not right. And you have to find your voice as you explain things for the first time. And we would look at any other facet of life and just start laughing hysterically if I said my plan to get good at blank was just to show up and listen maybe once a week to something. And so it's equally ridiculous in the Christian life that if we believe that Jesus knows what's best for us and wants what's best for us, then the smartest thing to do by far is to make investments to be discipled by him through other people, through his word, to live the kind of life that he's laid out for us, and and Eric, you uh, you know, in our book, um, we describe you know some things that really um, uh, that we have to do. Um, we have to read the Bible. We have to you know Jesus memorized the Bible. I mean, I, I, he memorized scriptures. I mean, every time he was tempted by the devil, he he quoted the Old Testament. Um, uh, and but you want to read it in community. I mean, if you can, if you're the sort of person that can read the Bible in a closet and get some stuff out of it, okay, great. Most of us don't have that kind of self-discipline. And even if you do have that self-discipline, who knows what you're? You know, it's you and the Holy Spirit, and that can be pretty good or excellent. But it's better to read in community. I mean, you get accountability, you get to bounce ideas off of each other. So a very simple takeaway could be: look, it wants find a buddy or two. And when you're meeting for coffee or decide to meet for coffee weekly and read through the Gospel of Luke, let's do six chapters. Let's read a chapter a day and let's journal on it. And let's get together once a week and talk about what God is showing us in the book of Luke. It doesn't have to be brain surgery, but it does require putting in some effort, being uh, strategic and setting up a process that is going to is going to work. Mm. And, and you by yourself probably isn't going to work or be all that effective. Mm. You're going to say something, Tom? There are a few verses in Proverbs 13 that really speak to this well. And the first is Proverbs 13, 13. Whoever scorns instruction will pay for it, but whoever respects a command is rewarded. Mm. Uh, so in this verse, we are being instructed. If we scorn that instruction, we're going to pay for it. You know, So we need to listen. If we respect a command, we're going to be rewarded in various ways. Uh, a couple, another, the next verse, 14, the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. So in that, uh, in that verse, we're looking at uh, a wise person teaching me, and it becomes a fountain of life in my life. 
and it keeps me from the snares of death or the, the, the traps of life that pull you out of abundant life. So the, the, that first verse was talking about uh, being instructed, being commanded, and this verse 14 is being taught. And a couple verses later, this, uh, this third and last verse I'll, I'll quote here, all who are prudent act with knowledge. So there's the action, and I'm acting on the knowledge. So I've been instructed, commanded, I've been taught, and now I act. So those are really good verses, I think, that, that depict what you guys are talking about in living out discipleship and being open to being a good disciple And each of those verses talks about someone, you're getting instruction or help from someone who knows more than you, who presumably cares for you. And that's one of the one of the assumptions. I love Dave Ramsey's point that you know most people are broke, and then you go ask them for financial advice. Well, that's that's being a moron. I mean, that is ridiculous, right? So you don't ask for financial advice from broke people. You ask for, for financial advice from people that are wealthier, people that have gone there. You don't ask for relationship advice from people that have you know just had a train wreck of made a train wreck of their life with respect to relationships. So the implication is that you're coming alongside people who are effective at discipling you. They, they care for you and they're competent to, to speak something into your life in, in an area of life or in life in general. And, and so uh, it's really, you know, you talked about Eric, um, you know, attending worship is, is important, but that really is a small, small piece of our personal discipleship. Chad, you, you mentioned, um, uh, a while back, g- g- give our listeners the number of hours in a year. Well, there's 8,760 hours in a year. A lot of those times you're going to be sleeping and working. But if you go to church for 52 weeks of the year and you listen to a 30-minute sermon, you will hear, in essence, 26 hours, 52 weeks, half an hour, 26 hours. That's a 26 hours of the Bible being preached. Now, if you think of that of 8,760 hours in a year and you have 26 of those hours to hear the Bible preached, you're going to be malnourished if the Bible is <laughs> feeding best. your spirit, right? So you have to have some level of, we have to have some level of feeding ourselves or a lot of people see the scriptures on, the only time they open the Bible is on Sunday during the sermon. And if that's the case, you are banking on a whole lot of nourishment and, that, and that's not fair to the preacher. <laughs> to do that and we get mad at preachers as saying all of these things how come you're not covering this and this and this because you're not covering it in your personal life and of those 26 hours the fact is 38 minutes of that I was distracted by the guy two rows up right. and, and, and 82 of the minutes I was thinking about what's for lunch and 43 minutes I was thinking about whatever assuming yes and that's right. even assuming the best right if the pastor is crushing it and I'm paying complete attention <laughs> then I still have at the end of it 25 hours a year and that's just a joke if yeah. we're talking about doing anything of value and complexity. Yeah. So we're going to take a break and uh, we're going to come back and talk more about discipleship and what that looks like. And uh, I'm going to tee up Kurt here. He's got a great saying I've never forgotten and he doesn't know what I'm talking about. But we're going to come back and talk about what is the role about, hey, he learned this on the farm. And his dad, when his dad was teaching him something, there was a, a process he went through. We're going to talk more about that. In the next segment, Kurt doesn't know it, but we are uh, on Solid Steps Radio. <laughs> Welcome back. 
to our third segment of Solid Steps Radio. If you are just catching us, we're talking today with Eric Schonsberg and Tom Harper about discipleship and what that looks like from a biblical perspective. And if you want to hear more about this, if you hear us for a few minutes and go, that sounds pretty interesting or moderately interesting, go to our Facebook page, go to SoundCloud, go to iTunes. If you go to any one of those three and you just type in in the search engine, Solid Steps Radio, uh, you'll see all of our podcasts come up, and you can hear them in their entirety thanks to our sponsors. And uh, we hope you would listen and pass it along to maybe someone else, uh, a man in your life who says, you know what, he needs to be encouraged, needs to be challenged, needs some tools in his toolbox of help walking through life. We, that's what we want to do. We want to help guys. So, Chad, okay, you mentioned Put that. you on the spot, you man. You put me on the spot. So, you know, I, I, this is just how, – how, how do you take a uh, – uh, in, in when you think about discipling, in the yep. context of my dad discipling me on how to drive a tractor. Yep, because we were talking, Eric said last segment about it's foolish for the world to say, you're going to be a plumber, here's a book, read about it, and now you're going to be a plumber. It's called apprenticeship. And I thought about, I always think about what you said, when your dad wanted to teach you to do something on the farm, how did he approach it? Well, yeah, it was first of all, watch dad. You, you watch him, and then secondly, you do it with him. Uh, he is doing 99% of whatever it is. And in this context, it was, you know, uh, driving a tractor. And he'd maybe let me sit on his lap, but he is doing it all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, he might let me think I'm kind of driving the tractor, but I'm on his lap and he is in complete control. That's the second step. The third one is now he's going to sit next to me and I'm, I'm driving and I'm doing about 60, 70 percent of it, but he's right there with me. He is, and, and when I'm off a little bit, he is helping me correct, uh, you know, the, the, the position of the tractor and, go, you know, go, making sure I'm driving straight. But then the fourth level was he's going to say, okay, Kurt, uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to leave for just a little bit. I'm going to check on you, but you're, you're, you're on your own right now. And I, I remember that that was that's a, that was a scary step, but it was an incredibly important step. But then the fifth step, and this is what we many times forget in the in the heart of biblical disciple making, is that I've got to now take when I've uh, when I've got complete ownership of driving this tractor, I've got to then take a brand new person, and I got to walk him through that step. And really, that's the full biblical framework of discipleship that's where the jesus says to his disciples you guys will do even greater things than i have done and that that process is why we are here today talking about it two thousand years later because chad you know and, and eric and tom when we think about discipling our own kids in one sense that's not enough it's, it's, it's it discipling them in such a way so that they will disciple their kids and their kids will disciple their kids so that in, in one sense, I'm concerned not just about my kids, but about my grandkids, my great grandkids and my great great grandkids. And when I think about discipling that with that multi-generational mindset, I will approach my children different than if I just approached about their their own personal walk with Jesus. If you stay with the analogy, it, it, I think most parents aim for just making their kids sit in the tractor with them. 
until they're 18. Yes. And then they're confused why they can't drive the tractor at 18 and why they walk away from the farm at 18. Your aim is wrong. The aim is not to make your kids sit in the tractor with you. The aim is for your kid to be a disciple maker and be able to work the tractor. Our goal for our kids should be to make them, uh, encourage them to become disciples and disciple makers. And if we just aim at church attendance, you know, then they have a life in front of them. You know, I've I've come to, I'm growing fond of saying we're, you know, the church is often trying to get non-disciples to do disciple things. And, And becoming a convert, becoming a church attender is not what Jesus says in the Great Commission. He says, go and make disciples and the, the, what's implied is disciples who can make disciples who can make disciples, who can drive the tractor on their own and teach other people how to do the same. And if we don't have that vision, what happens? They walk away from the tractor and the farm. I mean, I mean, they may not. They may hang in. They may go, wow, Dad seemed pretty happy on the tractor. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll start making the investment when I'm going to college and all that. But you know, I think, you know, then, then the world can get them and then they're away from home for the first time and sin looks pretty appealing and I'm not sure I want to be on the farm anymore, you know, and so like we, we fall short and then we're surprised when the kids go south. And I think becoming a child of yours first is, is what I need to do before you even see a tractor to get on it, you know, and so there is that first stage of building into your son if you're teaching him to drive the tractor, having him trust you, having having authority over him, having expressed love to him. And then when you get up in the tractor, he's trusting you as his father that not only do you know what you're talking about because he's seen you do it, but you love him. You have the best in mind for him. And as you're teaching him how to do this thing, he can then get excited about it. So I just relate that to my own experience. You know, before I could really get deep and become a disciple, I had to become a child of God. Mm. You know, I had to understand who Jesus was. I I had to experience worship for the first time and, and start to get into it. And then as that drew me in closer to the Lord, then I realized I want more and how can I do that? And I got pulled in by guys like you guys and, and reading the scriptures more often and learning more. And that pulled me in and it awakened inside me a desire to be not just a child of God, but a child maker of God, you know, a disciple maker. Well, you know, and Tom, when I'm thinking about when Rick influenced you, when he invited you to a Bible study, you weren't even a Christian yet. Right. But, but you know what? What I know about Rick Rick didn't just care about Tom Harper. Rick was already caring about your kids. He wanted them to grow up in a Christian home. That's right. He wanted them to know Jesus personally. And frankly, I know Rick well enough. He was concerned about your grandkids, and you don't even have grandkids mm-hmm. yet. You know, he was. That was the heart of Rick, of influencing you. That was his heart to influence you for the kingdom. But it wasn't just for Tom and right. Karen. It was for your kids and your grandkids. He showed me how to do it to others as well. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, when, I th- when you think about this whole process, I think we really, um, when, we, when we do not have the vision for our grandkids and great-grandkids, we're really missing the heart of Jesus. Because Jesus was looking at his disciples and he's going, you guys are going to do even greater things than I have done. Mm-hmm. And part of that was multi-generational um, influence. 
There's two sides of this, right? One is the positive side. We want our kids to be able to drive tractors. We want them to do positive things uh, in the kingdom and in their life, et cetera. The second part of that is that if they're driving the tractor, they're less likely to be knuckleheads. And so we're, that, that's deeply concerning to us as parents as well, right? And so, you know, once they get off the tractor, who knows what they're going to do? And, and so if they're being productive, if they're planting flowers, then the weeds are less likely to come. And so you know, we can help our kids by discipling them uh, both in the positive and the negative sense. Well, you know, Eric, and that brings up a, a real valid point, because so many times what I want for my kids or we want for our, as a parent, we want for our kids is stop doing the, the, the you know, the, the allowing the weeds to grow. Stop doing this, this sin. But you're saying if we are proactive and they're engaged um, in the life of the kingdom, if they're engaged, you know, in, in the analogy, um, they're on the tractor, uh, they, they're going to have a hard time getting into trouble when they're driving. And by the way, that was one of my dad's philosophies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as long as, literally, as long as I'm on the tractor, as long as I'm doing work in on the farm, it, it kept me out of trouble. Absolutely. I mean, you, you know, part of it's just keeping them busy. But, you know, the other thing is that you're developing a vision for them to enjoy life as it's been built by God. God built us to be workers. Work comes before the fall. Uh, God set us up. He, he desires to work with us in acts of ministry. He doesn't just save us and put us on a shelf somewhere and say, hey, you know, stay out of trouble. I'll see you when you get to heaven. He wants us to partner with him in ministry through the Holy Spirit with the ministry model that Jesus has laid out and, and to do great things in his kingdom. And so if we set up our kids for that, and if that's the way God has built the world, then great things can happen. You know, uh, in the break, Tom, you were talking about sin and mm-hmm. how sin really can be, you know, cripple the disciple-making process in our own personal lives. Talk, talk about that just a minute. Well, a foundational verse for that is Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. And this is true of all of us. So a disciple maker, a a teacher, a trainer, a life coach of mine in a spiritual sense is going to open my eyes to this fact that my heart is deceitful. I am a sinful person and we are all sinful. And, And so when we have our eyes open to this fact and the fact that we're going to be dealing with sin the rest of our lives, we have a more accurate view of reality and how we might be, how we might fall. And in today's world, I mean, even megachurch pastors are falling because of sin. And if if those people are falling, we're certainly going to fall. And so the Bible teaches us to build guardrails against sin. And just a few, for example. Um, Tell you what, we're going to take hold that thought because we're going to come back in this next segment and start talking about some of those guardrails. Because we got we really need to unpack that. Yeah, so we're going to take a break. We're going to come back for our fourth and final segment. Thank you for listening to Solid Steps Radio. Welcome back to our fourth and final segment of today's show. And if you're just joining us and you want to hear more about this topic of discipleship or any of our past shows. We've got a plethora. I always like to use fancy words every now and then. Plethora of topics. I'm impressed. Thank you very much. Don't be. Uh, (laughs) uh, Different areas of life. Husband, father, uh, being a co-worker, being an employee, being a leader, uh, being a neighbor. All kinds of areas. Money, 
relationships, you name it, we want to try to cover all these bases again because we want to be a tool in your toolbox, men. So go to Facebook, SoundCloud, or iTunes, and you can hear all of our shows uh, in podcast form without our, uh, any commercials. Thanks to LNN, Vision First, Bright Star, Dan Hart Financial, Frank Enterprises, and Country Lake Christian Retreat Center. So guys, um, I, I heard just recently um, a pastor say discipling is showing the people of God how to participate in the mission of God as a daily lifestyle. And, but one of the things that can kind of get in the way of all that is sin. And of course, that's what Jesus came to, you know, help you know, conquer sin and death and the devil. But Tom, you talked about our own personal, where we have to, we have, to have some boundaries so that we're not falling in the ditch constantly. Way back in Genesis, Four, it says, sin desires to have you, but you must master it. Mm. Then fast forward to Romans, Paul says, I find this law at work. This is Romans 7. When I want to do good, evil's right there with me. So thousands of years later, sin is still around. <laughs> and, it, and even though Jesus has already come, it is still part of our human nature. So uh, I, I have found a lot of value from having an accountability partner. Uh, who is a little older than me, a little more experienced in the faith and in life. And when we get together every now and then, he helps correct me, not in like a, a father-son or a, any kind of condescending way, but he helps me raise some guardrails in my life. And so I just find it's really important for all of us as men to find these other maybe older men, or at least wiser, that can pour into us. And then we can pour the same thing onto the younger generation. And just a few things that, that, uh, that I found very useful that help with uh, boundaries and guardrails um, comes in Psalm 101. It says, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a very simple piece of advice. You know, don't look at things you shouldn't. And so when I get together with my buddy or I'm with some other guys and we're talking about how we're doing, it's like, okay, how, how are we all doing with our eyes? You know, have you looked at something that you shouldn't have? Uh, another one is in, in Psalms, Psalm 4.4. It says, in your anger, do not sin. So in other words, don't let, let your anger control you. Uh, if I'm in with these guys, how's your anger been lately? You know, mm-hmm. have you gotten angry with your wife, with your kids, and and did it control you? Did it go? Did you go overboard with it? Uh, and then just one more. I think this this sort of pulls both of those verses in together. Uh, it's a, back in Romans 13. It says, "Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature." Uh, so let's not let sin camp in our minds so that we think about how we can satisfy it, how we can sin, whether that's through the lust of the eyes and and the thoughts that can follow that. We don't want to give sin a place to roost and how we can satisfy these desires that we have. So there's just a few uh, practical guardrails that I think if, if we're in community with other men and we're talking about how we're doing in this life, this Christian life, we can ask these questions. Yeah, I mean, that is absolutely critical. If we're going to be growing disciples of Jesus and we're going to begin to really pour into our kids and then our grandkids and great-grandkids and even beyond that, I love what uh, Steve Farrar says. Our lives will impact the next hundred years. It, mm. It's just going to happen. It's just a matter of is it going to be for good or for not. Yeah. Now, Eric, we talked about in the break um, 
there's 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 probably a lot of our listeners going, I, but yeah, but I've I've never really been discipled, and and I've really you know Tom, I've really fallen off in, in the ditch, and it's been quite some time. Talk to that guy, Eric. Yeah, so I mean, if we go with the analogies, you know, that we have guardrails, but some people have driven over the guardrails. We have tractors, <laughs> and some people have fallen off the tractors, or maybe you've fallen off the wagon or on the wagon, or I forget, I get those mixed up, but. You know, maybe you're in a rough spot, and so what? What's the word to you? Well, one of the books we've titled on discipleship is "Roll Up Your Sleeves." You know, we we worship a God of redemption and resurrection and second chances and grace, uh, and that's the God we worship. And so, take that to heart and roll your sleeves up and hop back on the tractor. And you get on the tractor with the mentor. You get on the tractor by joining a community of people or having an accountability partner. But it's never too late for that. And it doesn't matter if you're 70 or 30, you know, the younger the better. But, you know, if you're 60, uh, you know, knock yourself out, get in, get in the tractor. And maybe you didn't disciple your kids the way you wanted to, but there's always grandkids. or there's always the young guy uh, down the aisle at church or there's the guy, the new guy at work that you can work with. So it's never too late. I mean, you look at the life of Samson and he uh, accomplished more with the very act, last act of his life than he did all the all the others uh, combined in delivering Israel, and so it's never too late. And so don't let that discourage you. Don't let the devil uh, use that to beat you up. Uh, and it's not just about staying out of trouble. It's about great things God has in store for you, uh, even at, at a late date in your life. You know, I love what uh, David Paul Tripp says. The the one word, if you had to say, what is God up to? In, in all of the world. It's redemption. It's what you were saying. He's a redeeming God. No, so no matter, no matter how many years you have fallen in the ditch and you've been wallowing in the mud, God says, it's, it's okay. There's grace. There's forgiveness. And Chad, I, I, I'm just reminded again of your story. I mean, you basically grew up in a non-Christian home. Yeah. yeah it was a good home, but it wasn't a, a godly home. And I was 28. My dad was my age. When he Today, came. when he rededicated his life to the Lord, he was in his mid-40s. Yeah. I was 28 years old, but then a series, the dominoes started to fall. My brother, six months later, came to Christ, and he's now a minister full-time. My mother then came to Christ and you know, in her later life. And God is not late. <laughs> he's right on time, and he can do that. And I just made this, this thought is how, how do you, if, if it's not too late, how do you find someone to mentor? First off, look up. And say, hey, God, who do you want me to mentor? Or who do you want me to be mentored by? Look up and then look around. There's In your landscape, in your vision, there should be some man you look at and go, I'd like to spend co- time having coffee with that guy. Even if he's not imperfect, what you think, spending some time with that person. Uh, so look up, pray, look around and find somebody. And and and, and I love, it's it just, again, God says it's never too late. Until your last breath um, we can have influence. James 4.17 says, Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. So as you guys are talking about seeing people that need to be discipled, well, there's something good to do. And so I think we're called in a pretty strong way to pour into other people's lives. Uh, you were saying, Chad, about looking around, you know, are there younger people in your sphere of influence? Are there children of maybe some of your friends that whose parents would appreciate another adult speaking into their life? Yeah. Is there is there a coworker 
that is asking for advice and you see an open door to talk about spiritual matters? Is there someone who comes to you in tears in the middle of, of church or, you know, at a ministry event and says, I have, I have sinned. I need help. I am. I feel the guilt like a heavy weight on my shoulders. Uh, you know, these are all real life scenarios where uh, the opportunity to disciple and come alongside someone are hitting us in the face. Yeah, and we don't have to have this PhD in you know discipleship. We don't. We don't have to be this you know a scholar theologically. You know, it's it's just little things that we can do. Even praying. For a person who is in hurting, who just lost a loved one, or who some difficult s- scenario, just pray. And speaking of prayer, we've got to we've got to wrap this <laughs> well, baby hey, up. You're really doing good on your segue. Congratulations. <laughs> because uh, this hour, I knew it would fly by. But uh, Eric and Tom, thank you so much for coming in. I love talking about this stuff because this is this is kingdom stuff. But Tom, would you close us in prayer? Help us. Pray that us dads and us men would, would step up and, and really disciple those around us as we follow Jesus. Sure. Lord, we thank you for this time of uh, talking about how to build other people up, how to build into them, and how to build protection around them. Uh, Lord, we also know that we need people around us. We need people to correct us and instruct us and love us and coach us and guide us and direct us. Uh, And Lord, ultimately, we know that we have you to come to. We have your word laid out for us on how to live life. And we can look at Jesus and see how perfectly to do it. He was the perfect man, the perfect person. And we can look at him for his example of how to live the perfect life. We will never be such, but we can do our best in him and follow his ways. And we pray in his name. Amen. Mm. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Well, it's never too late. You may have never been discipled, and you may never uh, have discipled anyone. But uh, I, it comes to mind is the, the idea of uh, cheap things aren't good and good things aren't cheap. And that discipleship costs something. It costs you some time. It costs you some emotions. It costs you a little bit of, of discomfort and maybe even a little pain to pour into someone. But the return on investment is eternal. So I would encourage you to look around and say, I need to be a Paul to someone to be a discipler. And then also at the same time, look around and say, I need to be a Timothy to someone and someone to be able to disciple me. And if you want to get the book, uh, Kurt and Eric have written a book called Roll Up Your Sleeves. If you go to Amazon, you can just type in Roll Up Your Sleeves and you'll see a book by Kurt Souter and Eric Schonsberg about how us as lay people can disciple and be discipled. So roll up your sleeves, go to Amazon and buy that book. That'd be a good starting point to take you on that journey. Hey, thank you for listening. Uh, We hope it's been worth your time and uh, pass this along to someone else who needs to hear and be encouraged on Solid Steps Radio.